welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at impactatamazinglove at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to amazinglove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Thank you. We doing okay today? All right, all right. Seems a little sleepy. Is everyone doing okay today? All right, all right. I just thank you. Sometimes I need response. I'm a needy pastor, everyone. I need your response. Well, to help me teach this morning about a topic we want to talk about, uh, my teaching helpers are, are people named Larry, Curly, and Mo. Now, uh, these people also be the history lesson for our young people because Larry, Curly, and Mo are also known as. Yeah, very good. So let's watch a little clip and then we'll explore what we learned from the clip. Now place your left hand here. Take off your hat. Raise your right hand. Now put your left hand here. Please take off your hat. Raise your right hand. <laughs> now put your left hand here. Will you please take off your hat? Raise your right hand. <laughs> now put your left hand here. Take off your hat. Raise your right hand. Will you get rid of that hat? Raise your right hand. Raise your right hand. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the truth, and nothing but the truth? Huh? Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the truth, and nothing but the truth? Are you trying to give me the double talk? Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the truth, and nothing but the truth? Why don't you answer him? He's talking big Latin. I don't know what he's saying. He's asking you if you swear. No, but I know all the words. He's asking you if you'll swear to tell the truth. Truth is stranger than fiction, Judgey Wudgey. <laughs> Kindly address this court as your honor and take the oath. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, all the truth, that's the truth? Certainly. What have I got to lose? Take the stand. Where do I put it? No, no. Take the stand. I got it. Now what will I do with it? Sit down. <laughs> You're in a court, not in Clancy's pool room. Sit down. I'm a victim of circumstance. Uh, who are you hitting? Is I want to pick up with something that Mo said at the very end, which you probably couldn't hear very clearly. But he said he was a victim of circumstance. See, he didn't have the idea to be in court that day. He was forced to be in court and to testify. And so it wasn't his fault that he didn't know where to put his hand. It wasn't his fault he didn't know what he was swearing to. It wasn't his fault that he didn't know what take the stand meant, which means sit down, right? And so what I wanted to pick up on, regardless of just teaching a history lesson, was what it is to be a victim of circumstance. Now, before we talk about that, I want to say that many times the victim that, that, that we have or the misery that we have in life is of our own making. For example, many of the bad things that, that we deal with, we created. 
If you, let's say, don't study for a test, and as a result, you get an F on that test, you're not a victim of circumstance, right? Uh, you're a victim of what you created. Or let's say uh, you don't um, consider other people's feelings. Maybe you said something bad, offbeat. Maybe you were just radically selfish. If you experience blowback, you're not a victim of circumstance. A victim of circumstance has more to do with this. Um, and I wanted to ask the question, have you ever been in trouble when you did nothing wrong? Have you ever been in trouble when you did nothing wrong? Yeah, I see you raise a hand. And uh, this can especially happen in households um, when there is a certain mood in the house, right? Now, let's say there is a mood. Don't look at your spouse right now. Um, let's, <laughs> let's say there is a mood, and you didn't create the mood. You just walked into the mood. But that mood has a way of leaching into the conversation, of leaching into the household, of maybe even leaching into what you're doing and how you're reacting because that mood was just there. I don't know about you, but uh, to bring it more to the Bloomer household, um, we, we, we really we just don't like crabbiness. Do you know what I'm saying? Crabbiness has a way of leeching, doesn't it? If someone's crabby, it's like no one else can be crabby. And, and this could be crabby, it's not just in a household, but if you ever had a who was just totally crabby, or, or someone serving who was totally crabby. And in fact, we wanted to create a bumper sticker, and our bumper sticker would say this, um, crabbiness is not great. And um, so if anyone wants to sign up, and we'll just have that bumper sticker going around. It's not that clever. Anyway, but, but we don't like crabbiness, okay? Maybe you can relate to that. Well, not just the silly examples, but what about the serious examples? You can look back at periods of history and say some people were victims of circumstance. You can look back at the period of slavery and say those people were victim of circumstance. They didn't have proper representation. They weren't treated properly, all based on what was going on at the time. There are serious examples that happen within our own households. Maybe you grew up and, and it was a household where there was an absentee parent. Maybe it was more than that. Maybe there was a household of abuse or a household of addiction or alcoholism. Maybe it was a, a, a household of verbal abuse or ideologies that just weren't helpful. You can be victims of circumstance, can't you? Now, does God have anything to say about that? That's what we want to explore today. If you have ever felt like you were a victim of something you didn't create, I hope God uses his word to comfort and to guide you today. That's what we're going to talk about. Okay? So, uh, we are in the fourth week of our series on Abraham. And uh, last week I turned and I looked at the GOP or at least referenced it. So I thought to be fair I would at least reference the Democratic uh, Convention. I don't take sides, by the way. You can be a Christian on either side. Vote. Pray for your leaders. I think that's the biggest thing we can do is pray for your leaders. Vote. Go from there. Um, but, but it is, I, I did notice, you know, the, that the first uh, woman nominee came up for a presidential party or for a, a political party as president. And uh, one of the hashtags for uh, Hillary Clinton is, um, I'm with her. And um, not in honor or dishonor of this, um, I have a different hashtag of I'm with her. And I wanted to use this because I'm also with her, not Hillary. But I'm with the lady in our lesson, Hagar. That's where I'm going. Um, we've been looking at Abraham's life so much. We've been seeing things from his lens so much that I thought when it comes to this lesson, we would see things through the lens of Hagar because I've heard this story from Abraham's lens. I've heard it from Sarai's lens. But I think Hagar's lens will give us the most insight into where we're going. So let me set it up. Here's what's going on. Um, Abram and Sarai were promised many children. A great nation would come from Abraham. And yet at this time, they have no children to speak of. 
The promise came when Abram was 75 years old. He is currently 85 years old. And if you were here last Sunday, he was confirmed the covenant that, yes, you will have a child and it will be through your own DNA. It will come through Abram's own DNA. Now, some commentators think, okay, Abram had the promise it come through him, but maybe Sarai wasn't given that promise. So they have an idea. Sarai has a maidservant or a slave named Hagar. And their idea is this, if it has to be through Abram's DNA and maybe not Sarai's, let's use Hagar and have the child through Hagar. Now, this is the sermon that I usually hear on the topic that I'm not going to do today, but it's, it's rushing ahead of God's plan. And, and if you've ever had to wait on something from God and sin was the solution, it, God's not in that, okay? If you've ever been waiting on something and the only reasonable way to get there is by sinning, I want to tell you God's not in that. That's, that's the sermon I usually hear from this chapter. But if I look at it from Hagar's point of view, Hagar didn't have any choice in the matter, at least recorded in Scripture. Hagar was a servant who, who again, had to do the bidding of his masters, or their masters, and so she has to, again, sleep with someone, bear this child, when, when she was just, again, in large part, victim of circumstance. And what does God say to her? That's what we want to learn about. So let's dive into it. Hagar had been given to Abram and she became pregnant. And then we see the aftermath of what happens next. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises you. May the Lord judge between you and me. Those are uh, heavy words for someone who's not innocent. It was her idea as well. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Now, this also is another sermon for leadership. Abram is not being a very godly leader. When Sarai suggested that he would sleep with Hagar, he could have said, no, uh-uh, that's not what we're going to do. That's not how it works out. And here he could have said, no, uh-uh, um, you know, this is still a human life. This is still someone important. But he doesn't take that stand. Speaks to Others who don't always take a stand for what is right. And what happens? Sarai mistreated Hagar. Abram didn't lead and she fled from her. Now we don't know what happened, but as a slave you can maybe imagine what, what couldn't happen if this person was property. So I'm running away from... Uh, so, so verse 7. The angel of the Lord then found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much, and they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. Now, I guess that's actually a good reference, um, not, not how we translate donkey today, um, that he'll be you know, active and, and healthy. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. He will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Lahiroi. It is still there between Kadesh and Barad. So Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram gave him the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar born Ishmael. It was 11 years after the promise had been given. This is the word of God. So we're going to see how God answered her and hopefully answers us when we experience this time of victimhood. 
You know, there are a lot of great things happening in Chicago. Chicago's a great place to live, at least as far as I'm concerned. Um, some of the great things that are going on is um, uh, concerts. And, uh, and, and, and maybe you've heard of uh, Lollapalooza um, that's going on. And, and it's, it's pretty cool to be invited to go down to Grand Park and maybe to hear some music. Um, I, I listen to Christian music, and, and there was a Hillsong concert last night at the United Center. And Hillsong is the group that actually um, composed and put together Man of Sorrows, which we uh, just sung. So that, that's pretty cool that that's going on. Or, or there's also a Broadway play um, called Newsies. And uh, this is a movie dear to my heart because I grew up on it. Um, this is one of the only VHS that we had, and so you just watch the same VHS over and over and over. Um, and did you know Christian Bale was actually the lead? He, he, Batman started as, uh, anyway, and kind of crazy. And, and all these good things are happening. And, and, and have you ever been invited to do something really good? And you might know the emotions that go around with that. You know, let's go to the concert. Yeah, I'm in. Let's go to the lake. Yeah, I'm in. Let's go to all these different things. You know the emotions when you're invited to something good? What happens when you're invited to something that you know is going to be miserable? Now, I'll let you fill in the blank of what that invitation might be. For me, it's like going to the American Girl doll store. Um, there is a Target segment that that store was created for, and I am not it, my friends. Um, so I don't know what yours is, but have you ever had one of those invitations where you just kind of sigh and groan inside? You know, maybe it's going shopping if you're a guy to the mall. Maybe it's going to Cabela if you're a girl. I don't know. I'm stereotyping. Broad stroke, forgive me. I don't know what yours is. But here's the thing. Here's where I'm going. Did you know that when you follow Jesus, part of that invitation is following into something miserable? Following Jesus is an invitation to bear up under some misery. Here, let me explain it. And first of all, if you're not a Christian, I get that this isn't a great sales pitch. <laughs> right? Hey, come join us. It's miserable. <laughs> um, but that's okay because I can't sell you on what the Spirit has to do anyway. And I would also say that Jesus is so good that I will take whatever bad comes with it. That's how good he is. But anyway, um, it's an invitation to some misery. Look at what uh, Jesus said to his New Testament disciples. He said, look at this. You will be hated by everyone because of me. Now, I look at that and I consider sometimes the state of American Christianity. Because as Americans, we're always about success. We're always about fun, the pursuit of happiness. And some of me would pause and say, American Christians would say, God, like that doesn't sound very fun on the weekends. <laughs> you know? God, that doesn't sound like a very profitable business strategy. Um, God, let's, let's do more of like, I, I hear you bless people. Let's do more of the blessing, a little less of that. Right? <laughs> or consider another thing that Jesus has said. Jesus said, um, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their, can you say that word with me? Take up their cross daily and follow me. And, and see, Lutherans have this theology of the cross that just as Jesus bore a cross, he was known as the man of sorrows and suffering and ultimately gave his life in the worst possible way. So your life following him will mirror that to one degree or another. If you're a Christian, the cross is inescapable. If you're a Christian, a little bit of misery is inescapable. In fact, I'm not sure you're doing it right if you don't have the cross involved. Now, the reason this is so important is because of what of the angel of the I can't talk. The angel of the Lord says to Hagar, 
Look at what he says to Hagar in verse 9. The angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. Now, this is what struck me. I'm like, didn't you just see what happened? Are you crazy? Go back? I was just afflicted so much that my only solution was to leave this horrible city. Go back? You're inviting me into misery. And we will never understand that unless we understand what Jesus said in the New Testament. And, the, and here's why it applies to you. You need to know this because some of the things God wants you to do the most are the hardest. Forgiving someone who hurt you deeply will always feel like misery. Let me say it again. Forgiving someone who hurt you deeply will always, always feel like misery. And it's not condoning what they did was wrong. It's not saying it was okay. But if you want to truly move on past that and forgive it, absorb the debt, we call it, that is always going to be hard to do. If you want to live the essence of what Jesus was saying here and live the essence of Jesus' life, which is a complete self-denial, where you say, okay, someone else's interest is more important than mine. Someone else's benefit is more important than mine. Someone else's um, voice, kingdom, whatever is more. If you continually live down here so that others can live up here, guess what living down here will feel like? A bit of misery. If you continue to serve from the heart and give all you got, and do for others what you want done for you, this will be a cross. And you need to know that. See, our society has these weird, funny expectations of what it is to follow Jesus. Like, follow Jesus is all good all the time. Follow Jesus is all easy all the time. Follow Jesus is all success all the time. It's just gonna, I'm going to be the next CEO if I just believe hard enough. I'm here to tell you that ain't the case, though Jesus is really good. And that's what Hagar experienced. Call me back? Are you kidding me? Now, if we ever get upset by this, I think what's really clarifying is hearing who made the command. Now, the command came in verse 9 from the angel of the Lord. Do you know who some Bible commentators say this is? Is anyone? Jesus. That's what Bible scholars think the angel of the Lord is, Jesus. They call it the pre-incarnate Christ, which means Jesus without flesh, which means Jesus before she, he was born of the Virgin Mary. Now, that makes sense a little bit more. Because what would Jesus be called into? Thousands of years later, on a Thursday, he would look into a situation he was called to, called Good Friday, called Golgotha, called his cross. And when he said, is there any other way? Can I escape it? Father, can, can we make a different alternate route? Can I escape to where Hagar escaped to? The answer was no. He was invited into misery for us. He went there for you and me. And because he did, we are forgiven and loved forever. But I tell you, our salvation was not easy. And I tell you, following Jesus will not be easy either. But there's hope. I don't want to speak to that. That's why we came. I didn't come to just put you all down. There's hope. And to talk about the hope in the midst of misery, um, I want to set it up this way. We had a youth rally trip to Colorado. I'll never forget the day we went hiking. We went to Rocky Mountain National Park. But that day, it was, uh, it was raining a little bit. And uh, I have some teens with me here today. And, and, and because it was raining, we, we had to stop. And if we really want to make a day of it, we had these garbage bags with a hole in them. You know what they call those? Ponchos. And, and so if you really want to make a day of it, you've got to buy a garbage bag and put it on your head. 
if you like suffocating, put it on. You know what I'm talking about. You've been there anyway. And, uh, and so we got to stop at the store. Well, well I'm, I'm, I'm at the store, and I'm really excited because we haven't started yet. And, and we're going we're gonna to do it all, right? I'm just filled with that excitement if you've ever done something for the first time. And, and I'm, I'm standing in line with my ponchos, and we're ready to make a day of it. And the person in front of me is taking like a half an hour I might be exaggerating, but a long time to figure out whether this hook will support them while they're climbing. And they're like doing all this research, you know, and they're, you know, calling to India and they're looking online and the computer's down. And so I'm standing there all like, you know, 15 minutes just waiting for this hook and there's no one else helping me. Well, you know, and I'm excited to go. You know, you've been there. And then out of nowhere, someone else swoops into my position in line and no one sees it. The clerk doesn't see it. The clerk doesn't say, now that man was waiting while we were investigating the hook for half an hour. I got a research report and he was just waiting. No, no one saw it. No one behind saw it. And do you know how I felt when that happened? And, and I'm a pastor, so I didn't say anything about it. I felt it, though. I'm a human being. Anyway, um, I just felt like the injustice, right? You wanted to scream, like, does anyone know what is going on? How I'm being treated today? They wondered why I was crabby. But anyway, um, these things happen. Have you ever been there? Like, yeah, just out of nowhere, someone just cuts in or, or, or gets what is yours or, or whatever, and it's like, come on. I wish you had a videotape of it. Hagar must have been feeling that way. Does anyone see what is going on? I, I, I got pregnant, not my choice. She's mistreating me, not my choice. And, and here I am, and here I stay. So how awesome, how awesome when the Lord shows up and the Lord says, basically, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw it. And she blesses, she gets blessed by the Lord. And then look at her reflection in verse 13. After this experience, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. Here's the hope that I want to give you. When it comes to misery, the Lord saw it. Nothing escaped his notice. They might have thought they got away with it. I tell you, once for all, nobody got away with nothing. Nobody got away with nothing. The Lord who is omnipresent, who is everywhere all the time, is all-knowing, he saw every bit of what was done to you, and he said that is wrong. There is no place for it. And I care about you. And, and he catches Hagar. And I believe what he's doing is he's saying, and maybe there's a story in your life, and you don't even tell people about this story because it's just too deep and it's too close. But I need to tell you once and for all, the Lord saw it and he cares about you and he's here to catch you today and say, it wasn't all right. It wasn't okay. And I will be the just God who, who evens the scales. You need to know that about your experience. I was considering this, I was, uh, I don't know, I've just been wrestling what to do as a pastor with what's going on in our nation. Do, do you know what I'm saying? It seems like, at least for as much as I've lived, there's never been so much hostility within, between our police force and the African-American community. I, I don't have all the answers. But wrong is always wrong, isn't it? Can we just be clear? Wrong, wrong is always wrong, and I don't want to take sides, but I was hesitant to share this story, but, but, but hopefully you'll go with me here. And... Um, I wanted to know, especially the standpoint that I don't know of, what it was like to be an African male, African American male going through all of this. So I have a friend who's a neighbor, and I just, I just bring up the topic. I say, you know, kind of a crazy life we live, you know, kind of a crazy world. 
and, and he opened up. And, uh, and he told me, you know, things that I would have never guessed. How he felt like he's had to fight from a, a bottom position to get where everyone else was equal. Where, like, in our community, people will say things just about blacks in general, and his girls will have to hear that, and his girls are the sweetest girls I've ever met. And, and they'll have to put up with that stereotype. Or, or how he'll go to work, and there will be a symbol of hate, even at work, um, for, from a superior. Or, or, or how sometimes he's been in stores, and he has to, uh, again, uh, try to convince people, I'm not going to steal anything. Or, or, or just to, to go from a place under and, and, and to try to get to a place up and I got to tell you, as a white dude, like, my heart broke because that wasn't my experience. I, I didn't have to worry about, like, when the girls drive someday and, and what might happen if they get pulled over. I, I don't have to go into a store and convince people I'm an okay dude in general. And, and I was able to tell them, that's wrong. That's wrong. And I'm sorry. That's wrong. I tell you a bit because I wanted to give you a lens because I think understanding is the way forward. Understanding is the way forward. But also as a Christian man, what could he know? He could also know the Lord saw it. Right? And, and he was a Christian brother, so I could tell him the Lord saw it and the Lord knows. It could go the other way on the police force. Can you imagine being in those shoes where you're, you're hurt by those you're trying to serve? where your only goal is to get home safely and, and again, uh, you have to protect yourself and, and, and are mistreated and sometimes targeted, yes, in good ways, but maybe in bad ways because of their perception of you as a police officer. If you've been mistreated that way, that's always wrong, isn't it? Wrong is wrong. But here's what I know. The Lord sees all the injustice that is going on. And the Lord will be the ultimate judge. And that is why what we do matters. Because we will be held accountable. Because others will be held accountable. All to the one God who sees. I went to the gym, another story. And there I, I just asked a guy, you know, hey, how you doing, Jason? A guy I've been lifting with for months. He, he unloads his story. He's like, both my parents have dementia. My, my brother doesn't help at all, even though he's blocks away. And, and, and I'm losing money and I'm losing time and I'm losing 19 hours a day just to watch out for my parents who have dementia and no one else is helping me and I'm here to tell him that, that that's wrong. You need to hear that. I don't know your story, but I know enough to know you've had an experience similar. And if no one else says it, it was wrong. It's not okay. But the Lord saw it. The Lord saw it, and he cares for you. He showed his heart to Hagar in a way that, that we will never forget. He shows that same heart to us for whatever our story has been like. But here's what I would caution us not to do. Don't make the misery messier. See, see we get in these circumstances, and sometimes we don't cope very well. And uh, that was true with Hagar. I, I didn't share with you what Hagar did. L look at what she did. When, when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Now, literally, this meant she was looking down. She was maybe thinking she was better. And the cultural significance of being barren or having children in that day was amplified. You know, they didn't understand that everyone was worthy in the sight of God. And so she was making that misery messier. 
What I'm here to tell you, if you have a story like this, if people have been unjust, don't respond hate to hate. Don't answer wrong with wrong. Don't answer sin with sin. It, it doesn't help anything. It continues the cycle of chaos and hurt. And, and that is, I believe, a solution for our nation and definitely a solution for a Christian. We don't make the mess messier. No, we learn from our leader, Jesus. We saw what happened on Good Friday. Betrayed, denied, deserted, mocked, made fun of, unjustly accused, uh, flogged. Um, all of these things happened. And at the height of his injustice, and I don't know if you've had this experience where like, you felt like a volcano and it was all building until you had to erupt. At the height of where Jesus could have erupted because it was all unjust, he, he, here's what he did. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The answer, my friends, to break the cycle of misery so it doesn't continue on again is forgiveness. And forgiveness is not saying it was okay. It's not condoning. It's not saying, oh, it's all good. No, forgiveness is just saying, I'm going to stop what happened to me. I'm going to stop the cycle. But how awesome to have the day where God will eradicate all abuse. How awesome to look forward to the day where God will eradicate all the violence. How awesome to look forward to the day where there will be no more dementia and no more diseases and no more injustice and no more hostility. And this is the day we know is coming for all of us. This is the day we know we have for an eternity. And until then, I just want you to know God is here saying, I got you. And I love you. And you can do it. You can forgive as I forgave through the power of the Spirit. I got you. It matters. You matter to me. We need to know that in misery. Hagar learned more. She learned uh, based on the name that was given. Let's look at verse 11. Verse 11, it said, You are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You are called Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. Now this is interesting because... Did you hear Hagar praying at all? <laughs> no, the, the Bible doesn't account that she even spoke to God. So I think that if God can hear us when we're not even praying, how much more won't he hear us when we are praying and bringing it to God? Which makes me pause and say this, how's your prayer life? I'm sick and tired of us not bringing it to God. In this political season, I hear a lot of discussions that are lengthy and involved and emotional. How many of those discussions are we having with the King of Kings? I'm just wondering. I've been there with friends. And friends who are going through tough times and they vent. You ever had a, a venting friend? And that's good. That's what I'm there for. But how often are you bringing it to the one who can do something about it? We have no excuse not to pray. If Hagar was heard when she wasn't praying, how much more won't we be heard when we stop and we bring this to the Lord and say, I've conversed with it long enough here. Let's converse it there. And so you have homework to do. When misery strikes, here's what you should pray. Sorry, I'm getting there. God, you see me. God, you hear me. Now out of love and concern, please help me. This, I believe, is your prayer. You're in a situation that was unjust. Someone was mean to you, crabby to you, much worse than that. God, you saw it. God, you heard it. Now out of love and concern, do something about it. That's our answer. That's our answer. Now the story actually has a pretty good ending, doesn't it? The story is 
that Hagar was actually blessed, not in spite of what happened and her misery, but because of what happened and her misery. The truth is that this is what God can do. He can bring beauty from misery. I was listening to a pastor. Um, that's what I do to just keep myself filling other people up as I, I fill up by listening to others. Um, his name was Levi Lusco. And Levi Lusco is a pastor with four daughters, but one of the daughters is in heaven. He lost a daughter named Lenya when she was five years old. What's interesting is that he wrote a book about it called Through the Eyes of the Lion. I haven't read it, but it sounds good to me. And uh, one of his quotes and one of the things that, that he experienced and heard is, is something I'll share with you. He said, suffering is not an obstacle to be used by God. No, I think it's an opportunity to be used like never before. Now, it's interesting because no one would, would wish for what happened to him. But his platform is coming directly from his misery. The strength he is giving to others is coming directly, not in spite of, but because of what happened to him. Dear friends, that's what happened to Hagar. I think it can happen to us. I'm not saying that, that there's always a neat and tidy bow to the chaos in our lives. We don't always understand, but this is what I believe can happen. That from that same source and well of misery can come a source of strength and beauty and power that you would have never experienced if you never went there. That is what I believe, that God out of something evil and awful and ugly can make something beautiful and powerful and give you a platform like never before if you allow him to work that in you. If you allow him to catch you and say it wasn't okay, but allow to learn from it and move forward. This is what to make of misery, my friends. The Lord saw it, he heard it, and he can bless you in spite of it. May God give you strength to believe it. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.